0: You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Good morning. Great to see you today. Turn to your Bibles, if you would please, to Acts 18. If you're a guest, a newcomer, we have a fair amount of guests this morning. Thank you for being with us. We're going through the book of Acts, about a year-long journey. We titled the series, Being the Church. We want to emulate the beautiful aspects of the early church, and there's so many. This morning, we're going to see um, a tremendous example of what it means to do teamwork, uh, ministry as a couple. And so Acts 18 is a a tremendous passage that broadens through the rest of the New Testament as we explore the idea of this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, I hope you've seen since we've been journeying over the past many months that uh, the book of Acts and scripture highlights the power and value of team ministry. In Acts chapter 1, there's a team that uh, had... uh, uh, Need for a replacement. And so Judas, of course, took his life, sadly, as he betrayed the Savior. And they cast lots, they prayed, and God uh, added a team member, Matthias, to the band of 12 brothers to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Fast forward to Acts chapter 6, you may recall we discussed the conflict in the church, and that leaders handled it prayerfully and wonderfully by raising up a team of seven individuals full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom to take care of the widows in their need. And then you go to this beautiful passage we explored a few weeks ago, Acts chapter 13. And the uh, church is fasting, the church is praying. What happens? The Holy Spirit says, set apart for me a team, two men, Barnabas and Saul, to take the gospel west. And then Acts 15, a little bit more turmoil in the church. One team becomes two, and Luke traces in the book of Acts the second team, where you have Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke taking the gospel to Europe. And now we come to this beautiful passage in Acts 18, where we're going to see the dynamic duel of Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife team doing ministry. Now, for those of you who aren't married, or for those of you who are brand new married, congratulations, Caitlin and Ben. How come you guys are so happy this morning? Do you know they got married a week ago? Just came back from the honeymoon. Woo! Yeah, you look happy, great. Sorry, sorry, Tangent. Um, Just just good stuff, though. So where were we? Oh, the power and value of team. In Ohio, I spent 16 years in ministry in Ohio. Uh, Our family got married, our our kids uh, were born there, and and so I got to know the Amish community. And I have such fondness for the Amish and how they live life and and so forth. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this is an example of the power and value of team. Have you ever seen the day, one day, where the Amish gather as a absolute community to build a barn? And so the plans, of course, and resources are all laid out. And then the men go to work, and guess what the women and children are doing? They're preparing a feast, and they're being mentored. And after the barn is built, boy, they celebrate the hoopla and the power and value of team. If you're familiar with Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, I'll paraphrase it. Two are better than one, why? They have better return for their labor. If one falls down, the other's there to pick them up. Pity the person who doesn't have a teammate. And so we're gonna see, again, the power and value of team. So, Acts chapter 18, look at verse 1, and I want to connect the dots, you know, Acts is a travel log, we're looking at about 25 to 30 years of ministry, but Acts 18.1 says this, after this, meaning, Pastor Jason spoke on the ministry in Athens last week, after the ministry in Athens, he left Athens and went to the city of Corinth. Now let me show you a map, just so you know where we are in time and space. We're on the second missionary journey. Remember, open doors, open hearts. The Spirit deployed the apostles to go west, first to Philippi, then Thessalonica, then to Berea, then to Athens, and now to Corinth. These are world-class cities that are being reached for the kingdom and glory of God. And so there's a contrast between Athens and Corinth, and as Pastor Jason unpacked that last week, if you recall, it was a city of thinking, Athens was about philosophy, but they had idols everywhere. And by the way, uh, it's mentioned in Acts that there was an altar to an unknown god in Athens. We found that archaeologically. It's in a museum today, and it just shows the historical validity and accuracy of Scripture. It's quite remarkable. Now, we're in Corinth, and what is Corinth? Corinth is a debased city. They had open prostitution. Corinth was the worst of Las Vegas, the vilest of New Orleans, and the foulest of San Francisco. Paul goes into another world-class city, but everything changes. There is immorality on steroids. And his heart's breaking. It's real interesting in this passage that he leaves Athens for Corinth alone. Now the team's going to catch up to him, but now he's alone in, uh, in Corinth. So, with little money, no place to stay, no teammates accompanying him right now, look what God does. Look at verses 1 and 2. It's quite remarkable. After this, he left Athens, went to Corinth, where he found a Jewish man named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. This is the first time in the uh, word of God in the book of Acts that we uh, Hear the names Priscilla and Aquila. And it's quite remarkable, their journey, when you study it, not only in the book of Acts, but from the book of Corinthians, from the uh, epistle to the Romans, you're going to see a profile of a godly couple who invested their lives for the kingdom and glory of God and demonstrate to all of us that teams work. And God wants to deploy us together. And so if you have your Connect card, let me share with you the blessing. And the blessing is this. The godly example of Priscilla and Aquila should inspire us for team ministry. Now I want to pause before we keep going. We had a hoopla here Friday night. How many of you were here for the hoopla? Man, it was just a crazy fun time. I thought we were going to come in and his place was still going to be decorated because there was this glow night, this dance thing. I was going to bring up the Van Bruggens. I had it all planned because Dave had the dance going. Did you see Dave? Brooks just kind of watching a little bit embarrassed, but Dave's man, he was killing it, and so I was going to bring you guys up here, but they took all the decorations down. Want to come? No. I got you on video, son. It'll, it'll show up sometime. I promise. But There is a core team that worked their tail off for weeks, if not longer. And I want to say thank you and honor you this morning. Stand up if you had any part to do with the uh, glow dance uh, this past Friday. Just go ahead and we just want to say thank you. Core team. And of course, folks, there's a lot of people in back that are serving our kids today. But it demonstrates this. You can't pull off... An outreach to the community, an inreach to the church without uh, teamwork. And so we're going to look at five inspirational things. So inspiration number one, godly teams welcome divine appointments. Now please don't minimize this because this is the book of Acts. We have seen the Holy Spirit time and time again orchestrate divine appointments. Let's take a look at this one. Verses three and four. Paul came to them, meaning persona Aquila, and being of the same occupation, stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Now, what we know about this edict that Emperor Claudius put out on Jews to get out of Rome, it was predicated upon uh, persecution and tension between Jews and Christians in Rome. And so basically, the emperor is just frustrated, and he kicked out all the Jews. Priscilla and Aquila leave Rome, and they wind up in Corinth. As best we can discern, it's a number of years later, maybe up to 10 years later, that Paul then meets Priscilla and Aquila. And so if you're taking notes, the dates that the edict took place was about 41 AD, and we know that Paul came to Corinth in 51 AD. Why do I mention that? It's very important. Priscilla and Aquila were already established. They were business owners who got displaced from one country to another and rebooted. They're in Christ. They're Christians. And they're faithfully serving. They're influencing people already before Paul came in Corinth for the gospel. Now Paul shows up. He's alone. Probably a little bit disheartened. The fruit in Athens was not maybe as significant as he hoped. And here he is, without a place to stay, no friends. What does God do? Creates a divine appointment. And they meet each other. Now again, go back to the book of Acts. We have seen time and time again that God creates divine appointments. Why? He's working. He wants to advance his gospel for his glory and our good. So remember in Acts chapter 8, we have this divine appointment where an Ethiopian uh, comes to Jerusalem as a worshiper, a God-fearer. And what happens? God, the Holy Spirit, says, Philip, go down to the road. Talk to this guy. Philip shows up. He's reading from the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah. And then he's asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone explain? He explains, he gets baptized, the gospel goes back to Ethiopia. That's a divine appointment, dear friends. And it happens time and time again. Remember Acts 16 a few weeks ago? Paul was hoping to go to Bithynia. The Spirit of God in a vision says, go to Philippi. The door was wide open for the gospel. Three individuals from three different classes or sectors of society. A wealthy woman named Lydia, seller of purple. A slave girl who was demon-possessed. And then a Philippian jailer, probably retired, working for Rome. All three came to genuine faith in Christ, got baptized, the church was born, and it was planted in Lydia's home. That's divine appointments, folks. And so think about it. You're living in Rome. How do you process these tensions and displacements? You're a Jewish Christian. You get kicked out of Rome. You're 400 miles away from uh, home in Corinth. You get reestablished. You're a business owner again. You're influencing for Christ. And then the great apostle of the faith, Paul, comes. And now now all of a sudden, a team of two becomes a team of three. And they're working together for the kingdom and glory of the gospel. You know, Priscilla at Aquila could have asked the question, why God? And I want to encourage you this morning, because this is a huge application point when you think about divine appointments. Often we try to ask and answer the question, why God? And it's unanswerable. That's what the whole book of Job is about. We cannot answer the questions why God ultimately. There's mystery in life. And as soon as we embrace mystery, the better. But we can't say this. Instead of asking why God, we can ask what God? In other words, how do I respond in the mysteries of life? Being displaced from Rome to Corinth. Having our whole family and business uprooted. Being persecuted for the gospel. Forget about why. Ask what. Lord, how do I respond in these difficult scenarios of life? Then we will act as Priscilla and Aquila did and the Apostle Paul did. Then we'll live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Because I promise you, after 40 plus years as a Christian, the why God question just won't be answered until eternity. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Leave that with God. He's on the throne. We trust him with that. So, Ellen and I have a paradigm for life, and it's been long-standing. We constantly, with eyes wide open, enter any given day and week looking for divine appointments. And I tell you something, folks, when you do that, guess what? They'll show up more than you realize. So let me tell you a story from last fall. We were inspired to go to the InterVisions banquet, one of our ministry partners. We'd never been there before, didn't know a whole lot about it. Is that me? Cracking, popping, nah, doesn't matter. Snap, crackle, pop, forget it. All right, um, and so there we are, we're sitting at a table, and we were a little discouraged because we thought we were gonna sit with the Van Brugens, and they dissed us. <laughs> so, you know, you just kinda wanna hang out with some of your folks, and it'd been easier in the community, and next thing you know, we're at a table with about eight strangers. And uh, we got chatting this and that, and then we met this gal, and uh, something connected. And that gal then followed up with inner visions to volunteer and got talking about the table that she was at and found out that she was at our table and the Van Brugens go to West Wind Church. Fast forward, Ellen and I took this gal out to lunch and we started to hang out last fall. She started attending church, now Life Group, and is becoming a dear friend. That's a divine appointment, folks. We didn't orchestrate that. We didn't plan that. We're just there to try to bless a ministry. And now we have a a gal in our church worshiping God, participating in life group and ministry, and becoming a dear friend. I want to encourage you. Any given day, eyes wide open. What are the divine appointments of life? Priscilla and Aquila leaned into it. How about us? Let's keep going. Inspiration number two. Godly teams live generously. Now again, this might sound like uh, uh, just repetition at Westwood Church, but we have to repeat the core things in life. We have a paradigm here to be generous with our time, treasure, talent, and touch. And when I studied Priscilla and Aquila, wow, they were all in. So follow with me in the, in the passage. Verses three and four. Paul stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. Now skip on down to verse eighteen, and about eighteen months transpires between uh, verse four and eighteen. They're doing ministry as they did in typical world class cities. But look what happens. So Paul, having stayed on for many days, about a year and a half, said goodbye to the brothers, sailed away to Syria. Priscilla and Acrylo were with him. He shaved his head at Ketchre because he had taken a vow. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and engaged in discussion with Jews. And though they asked him to stay for A longer time, he declined, but he said goodbye and stated, I'll come back to you again, if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus on landing at Caesarea. He went up and greeted the church, went down to Antioch. After that, spending some time there, he set out traveling through one place after another in Galatian territory, Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So here's what's going on in Acts 18. They leave Corinth about a year and a half. They go to Ephesus, another world-class city, to 250,000 people, the dominant place in that part of Asia Minor. And so, after serving a little bit, Paul says, I'm going to keep going. He heads back, literally, to Israel, to Caesarea, to Antioch, the church, which is now the mission base. But he leaves Priscilla and Aquila where? In Ephesus. Ephesus. In other words, they are now being empowered for ministry there. They are now taking the lead. But let me comment a little bit on the generosity of Priscilla and Aquila. Look at verse 3. Paul stayed with them and worked. You know what that simply means, folks? They opened up their home to the Apostle Paul. They practiced the beautiful virtue of hospitality. They shared their resources. With the apostle of faith who came to Corinth alone. Look at the time, verse three. Paul stayed with them and they worked together. Um, How cool is that? For about a year and a half, Paul is working in Corinth with these tent makers to do what? Provide for himself. So he didn't have to depend on others for the gospel but they're spending time together, and you can only imagine how Paul is investing in this dear couple, equipping them, training them, teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look at uh, treasure, verse 19. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there. And friends, why do I say treasure? Think about it. They were displaced from Rome, Think through the implications. You're living in Rome, world-class city. Your business is flourishing. Claudius kicks you out. You're 400 miles away. You get planted in Corinth, a new city. You start a business. Things are going well. Paul shows up. He joins your your work effort. They're making money. Maybe they're living the dream. And guess what happens? Hey, guys, would you like to go to Ephesus and do some ministry in another world-class city? Would you like to be displaced again, hundreds of miles? Would you like to travel great distances, which will take weeks and months? Priscilla and Aquila say yes. They leave everything behind, their business second time, from Rome to Corinth to go to Ephesus to plant a church. Would you agree that is a couple that's interested in kingdom work? What a blessing. And then finally, look at the last one, talent. They're tent makers. And what I love so much about this, folks, most people are just like Priscilla and Aquila. They have talents, they have vocations, they have things they've been trained in that they can use for the kingdom and glory of God. They should inspire us today. Whatever your vocation is, whatever your calling is, whatever your training is, are you using it for the kingdom and glory of God? I had a gentleman I talked to not too long ago. He says, Keith, I make a lot of money. I said, "Well, that's great, I don't. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I do okay I'm happy. so. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Um, so what was the point? Oh, And he just, <laughs> he, just said, he just said this. He says, "I love to make money so I can invest it for the kingdom and glory of God." That's a calling. And there have been people. For the past 2,000 years in Christ, who have done that and they've invested. Rick Warren made a ton of money on his book, Purpose Driven Church, Pur- Purpose Driven Life. He reverse tithed, he gave 90% of it back to the Lord. That's generosity. Why have millions and millions of dollars? Give it to the cause of the kingdom. That's what Priscilla and Aquila are doing. Time, treasure, talent, and touch. Now, look what happens, folks. They're church planners. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul writes to the Corinthian church from Ephesus, and he says this. The churches in Asia Minor greet you, that's Ephesus area. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. So writing back to Corinth, giving word from Priscilla and Aquila, but notice what's happening. Along with the church that meets where? In their home. So now they're hospitable to Paul in Corinth. Now they're in Ephesus, and there's a church plant in their home. You want to talk about a dynamic duo? It's Priscilla and Aquila. What great examples of the faith and generosity. Folks, we have an encouragement at Westwind. Generosity breeds generosity. We'll never outgive God. He gave his best as one and only son, and I could say this after four years of being at Westwood: you've been generous. Thank you. What a generous church to be able to do what we've done over the past year or so in COVID with this space and our budget. We are so thankful, church. But it's not just finances. Your touch, your time, your talent. Again, if you were here uh, Friday, Friday night, it was just super fun to watch. All that went into hosting this community and church event. I have an intent up for guests. I always do because I love to see the gospel advance in people's lives. And there was at least a half dozen families here that I've never seen before on Friday night. Isn't that a gift? Thank God for that. But it comes through your generosity. So thank you again. Inspiration number three. Godly teams mentor and empower others for ministry. And folks, please don't take this lightly. There are some cool ministry dynamics going on here between Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. Now, we have another uh, individual added to the equation. His name is Apollos. So let's check it out. Verses 19 through 21. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue, engaged in a discussion with the Jews. And though they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but he said goodbye and stated, I'll come back again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. And by the way, Paul does get back to Ephesus. That's uh, the next three weeks, actually. Now Acts eighteen twenty-two. After leaving Priscilla and Aquila at Ephesus, Paul concludes his second missionary journey. Where in Caesarea, this is Israel. We're back in Israel where Cornelius became a Christian, and then to Antioch. This is where the second base for the church, Saul and Barnabas, were deployed. So the second missionary journey is wrapping up. Now notice what happens in Ephesus. We continue the story with Priscilla and Aquila, verses twenty-four through twenty-eight a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian. And where that is, this is northern Africa. Alexandria was the learning center in... Nor- northern egypt and the gospel was advancing already in alexandria an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of the scriptures arrived in ephesus so how interesting you see the mobility of christians in the ancient world northern africa alexandria egypt now coming to where ephesus this is quite a trip across the mediterranean Folks, the gospel is advancing through people who believe it needs uh, to be advanced and will go for it. Now notice, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately. And then there's a key phrase here. We'll see this next week too. Although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla de Aquila heard him, and this is a beautiful phrase, you talk about wisdom, you talk about discernment, you talk about honoring people who are serving the Lord. They took him home and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over Achaia, the brothers wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him. After he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So folks, here's the encouragement. Just imagine uh, being a part of Paul's team. He uh, is finishing off his second missionary journey, and he mentors you, he empowers you to stay on in Corinth, to literally be the pastor team of that church. And then you have this, this zealous teacher who is only familiar with the baptism of John who didn't understand the full gospel comes to Ephesus and begins preaching this dear couple discerns boy they have a limited understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ notice a few things from the passage they take him home and they share with him the greater context of the gospel from the holy scriptures that's honor that's respect They didn't call him out publicly, hey, time out, (laughs) you're missing something. They didn't embarrass the guy. They went all in, hospitality again, mentoring, equipping Apollos. Then what happens to the Apollos? The light bulb goes on, he understands the gospel, and he's deployed to Achaia. Folks, what a beautiful, beautiful concept. Mentoring, discipling. 2 Timothy 2 is a core verse. Paul's writing his last epistle, writing from a prison cell. This is strategic, folks. You know, we have a a ministry that we're working with called TLI, Training Leaders International. This is their foundational verse. Training others who will train others who will train others. The domino effect. Notice what Paul says. You therefore, my son Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, do what? Commit to faithful men who will teach others also. There's four generations there. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men who are going to teach others also. Four generations in mind. What a beautiful concept. That's what Paul's doing. year and a half with Priscilla and Aquila. Drops him off at Ephesus. He takes off for Antioch. And they're doing the same thing. Investing in Apollos and empowering Apollos for ministry. If you're taking notes this is a really cool statistic Paul lists 95 individuals in the New Testament that he had contact with in ministry with 95 36 were key team members where he highlights his co-workers people that he spent time with like Priscilla and Aquila this guy was a mentor a discipler an a why he wanted to fulfill 2 Timothy 2, 2 so others would go out and do the same Priscilla Aquila, Apollos, Timothy, and so forth. And so the encouragement to all of us, and I see this happening, and maybe if I could just take a moment to highlight our youth ministry. I see this happening in our youth ministry. Pastor Jason's the point guy, and he's got a cool core team, and they're working, they're equipping, and they're trying to just keep that multiplication of mentoring going. And by the way, Do you know Mickey Boyle's going to be leaving us? Do you all know that? Who knew that? Did we vote on that? (laughs) So he's getting married, which we're super excited about, and Bethany's a sweet pea, but here's one of our core guys. Here's one of our Timothys or or Apollos's. I mean, so what I'm saying today is we need to replace this core leader because he's given so much for our youth ministry. Now... On the flip side, we do have Ben joining us, right? We're liking that, Ben. He's still happy this morning, so that's good. All right, so two more points, we're done. I think we're on time. Three minutes. All right. Three minutes, two points. Is that possible? Totally. Caitlin's the believer. All right, inspiration four. Godly teams have a marked influence on others. This just... Jumped off the page of scripture from me this past week. Look at Romans 16, three through four. It's on the screen. But know this. They went from Rome to Corinth, Corinth to Ephesus, and Ephesus all the way back to Rome. They're in Rome right now, Priscilla and Aquila. Check out what Paul says. He writes, he says, give my greetings to Priscilla, kind of a uh, abbreviated Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers... In Christ Jesus, two things about him. who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, talk about influence, folks, but so do all the Gentile churches. Can you imagine having uh, the Apostle Paul write that about you as a couple or an individual? Priscilla and Aquila were influencers. We're all influencers here this morning, folks. The question is, are we a good and godly influence? Are we multiplying and living generously? Is the name of Jesus Christ a fragrance from your life? So the first influence was the Apostle Paul. We don't know all the details, but we have a hunch when it says that Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives for Paul, we'll see this next week, he's in Ephesus. And boy, oh boy, did the, the Ephesians, the uh, work there get very hard. And so maybe they intervened on his behalf. Maybe they came to his rescue as he was being persecuted once again. But look at the second one, because that's a personal influence. Priscilla and Aquila to, to uh, Paul. But how about the corporate all the Gentile churches are thankful for you. That is a remarkable statement. I bet you, if you're like me, and I, I think most of us have a pretty good grasp of the Bible, this is revelation. We haven't seen this profile of this powerful couple in the gospel. All the churches who are Gentile in origin are saying, thank you, Priscilla and Nicola, for going all in, for giving your life for the cause of the gospel. So can I ask you this morning, how's your influence? We're all influencers, I believe that, we're all leaders. Are you a fragrance for Christ? Is your life advancing the gospel? Are you invested in your time, treasure, talent, and touch? Living generously for the kingdom and glory of God? Those are very objective questions. Now finally, inspiration number five, godly teams finish well. And I want to end here, and it'll be brief. 2 Timothy 4, 19. 2 Timothy is Paul's final letter. It's 67 AD. He's known Priscilla Aquila for at least 15 plus years. He's writing from a prison cell. He says, my life is being poured out. Nero the emperor's going to chop his head off. That happened historically. And so what does he do in his final thoughts in this letter? Look at verse 19. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. He's got people on his mind. He's not caring for himself. Paul relinquished his life. He says to live is Christ, to die is gain. But he's got people in mind. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. These are dear folks who will continue, Timothy, to advance the gospel with you. Can I show you a map? Let me put it up. So, we know this, empirically, from the whole of the New Testament. This dear couple had house churches in three world-class cities. They had a house church in Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus. They were displaced. Let me show you the amount of miles they traveled. It's from San Diego to New York City. A lot of that travel was foot travel, average of 20 to 25 miles per day. Some of it was maritime travel, but that was also precarious. They literally went all in, folks, for the kingdom and glory of God. And so one final story. Johnny Erickson Tata's one of uh, my heroes. She's been a great influence on my thinking and my life. Uh, Johnny, when she was 16 years old, uh, had a diving accident. She became a quadriplegic. And so from age 16 on, she literally uh, just was handicapped. And so, instead of asking the why God question, it was, what God, what do you want to do with a quadriplegic, fast forward 60 years? Here's what God has done through her. She's a prolific author, international speaker. But many years ago, she was invited by one of our presidents to be a part of a handicap commission to help uh, those who are handicapped become functional in society, not only domestically, but globally. She went all in. So as part of that process, she had to be fingerprinted by the FBI. So she comes in to get fingerprinted, and the FBI agent's working with her. He says, Johnny, I, I just can't get any fingerprints. And they're going from one finger to the other, and there's no fingerprints. And then the aha moment came on for the FBI agent. He says, you know what? People who work hard with their hands, masons, construction workers, people who use their hands constantly have deep, deep fingerprints people who don't use their hands it just doesn't exist and that's why he couldn't get her fingerprint and then for johnny when she wrote about that experience she said this she says what a privilege to be in christ and to leave fingerprints wherever you go that are deep god honoring for the kingdom and glory of god so she challenges us to work hard to take the unique life that she was given a quadriplegic has invested her life for the kingdom and glory of God so in closing how's your fingerprint is it God honoring are you having an influence like Priscilla and Aquila are you part of a team ministry like we experience Friday night to see the kingdom and glory of God advance friends? that's the privilege each and every one of us have so let's put our fingerprints on this world for Christ and each other for Christ.